to the Diabetes Revolution podcast with Dr. Sarah Townley, the type 2 diabetes coach, clinical pharmacist, and mom of six angels. You don't have to struggle and fight with your blood sugars for the rest of your life. I'm here to teach you the skills you need to control and even reverse this disease. There is such a thing as getting off your meds and creating a future free from diabetes, and you can have it too. Let's get down to business. Hello, my friends. I am coming to you today from a quiet house where there are no children, and I just want to say thanks to God for children, for allowing me to develop an appreciation for some of the most simple things, like mental space to think. Actually, I think one of the most difficult things about having six little kids is that they are constantly asking you to make micro decisions, okay? Sometimes they ask you the same thing over and over again, right? And you actually have to stop your thought process, focus on the question, recognize whether or not it's a question that you need to think about, make a decision about, or is meaningless, and then address it, (laughs) even if it means ignoring it. (laughs) And this, you know, constant, even outside of the bathroom door, question asking or just, you know, narrative that is flowing from their stream of consciousness while you are in there with an earshot, (laughs) it becomes like a mental energy drain. And one of the things that I've noticed since I've had all this time alone in my house is that the thing that I miss the most is just the time to of, of peace and the mind and the space, and it feels so expansive and luxurious where I can have a complete thought process. And there's no rush, there's no hurry, there's no interruption. And so I want to just share that with you today because it's something that I'm feeling gratitude for, and I look for any way in my life to experience gratitude because it's uplifting and it shifts me out of where my brain likes to take me on default, which is to places like self-pity or complaining or resentment. (laughs) So for what it's worth, there's a little something that I am feeling gratitude for in this moment. And you should too, because when I have time to think, I come up with all kinds of amazing ideas of things, endless numbers of things that I want to say to you. I actually talk to you in this quiet mental space all the time. And today I'm picking a subject that I know most of you are going to want to hear my thoughts on because I hear this question all the time. (laughs) Um, It comes in forms of questions like, how many carbs should I eat? How many times a day should I eat? Should I follow the keto diet? Is it better if I eat a vegan diet? <laughs> so the title of this podcast is what what diet or which diet should I follow? And I know that we are inundated, especially in the United States, with marketing for all kinds of things. And it's good and bad, okay? So... <laughs> But it definitely causes a great deal of confusion because everywhere you're going now, you're seeing products, food products that are being marketed directly to people who follow a certain kind of diet amongst all of the other labels like non-GMO and organic and I don't even know what else. Um, (laughs) But just, you know, recognize that 
There are advantages to marketing, but by and large, they're causing a lot of confusion and they're also misleading and deceptive, which is probably a topic for another podcast. But I just want to address today in this brief podcast, my thoughts and my answers to these questions that really are, should I be following a certain kind of diet? So you've probably heard of the keto diet. Um, I teach a lot uh, heavily around a low-carb, high-fat diet, and I also teach a lot around intermittent fasting, okay? And uh, it's couched or it's presented to you with the context of science, like how these different kinds of lifestyles affect the disease process of type 2 diabetes and why it's advantageous to use these kinds of diets in particular. However... There are lots of different diets out there that have been shown to reverse type 2 diabetes, and they run the entire gamut of types of diets. You could actually find quite a few people out there who have reversed their type 2 diabetes following a diet that is the complete opposite of what I teach, because if I teach low-carb, high-fat, and you know, you know that that's what I pres- primarily guide people toward. And then you meet somebody or you learn about a program that is teaching high carb, low fat, like extreme amounts of carbohydrates, 80% of calories coming from carbs, and then like 10% or less of calories coming from fat. You can see that, boy, like they're so the opposite. How can is how is it possible? That one diet works and that this other diet that's the opposite is also going to work. And which one is the right one for me? (laughs) These are totally logical questions. And I'll tell you what, it's so overwhelming for a lot of people to think about that, that they shut their brains just shut down and they don't do anything. They just do what's familiar and what's easy and what they're used to. And they're not able to make a decision because it's difficult to know when there's every option like that, which one is the right option for you. And so it's a definitely a topic that comes up a lot for me. And I want to help you, as always, you guys, develop your own critical thinking skills so that you can decide what's right for you and you're never looking to anyone else about what is the right thing for you. So the types of diets that you also might have heard of include carnivore diet, a whole foods plant-based diet. Plant-based diets are very popular right now. And it kind of bugs me, you guys, because the plant-based diet eaters are very, like they, they almost like seem to be believing that it's morally superior to follow a plant-based diet. <laughs> Um, and that always bugs me. Okay. So because it's ripe with judgment, right? Like I am so never going to ever value judging other people for what they decide is best for themselves. Because first of all, it's none of my business, uh, what, you know, somebody else is doing. I need to stay in my own business, but also it's not useful. It's not useful to judge another person because if your goal is to open their mind, to share with them something that might be better for them because it's something that you value, judging them is going to close them down and shut them off. They're not ever going to receive what you're saying if it's given out of a place of judgment. Um, okay, so that was a little bit of a tangent. Sorry. <laughs> So we've got keto, we've got low carb, high fat, you've got no eating, which is fasting, right? You've got high carb, 
a low fat, which is a diet that you may have heard of under the name of Mastering Diabetes or some other doctor that's published a book out there that's whole foods plant-based. Um, and then, you know, you've got extreme types of diets like carnivore. Um, and I don't know, maybe vegans just as extreme as carnivore. That's just a judgment. But anyhow, how do you make sense out of which diet is the right diet for you? So let's first approach this question before we get down to what you really need to know. The question is, why would we think that there's one optimal diet for every single type of human being out there? Okay, like there's this idea that a lot of people have, which is this is the diet that's the best. This is the diet that everyone should follow. It's almost like it becomes a religion for some people, right? And then they they live in this place where other people have to be wrong in order for them to be right about what works for them. And it doesn't need to be this way. (laughs) Um, It's possible that people are different and highly individual about, you know, how their bodies work and how they respond to different kinds of diets. And so... This idea that there's one universal optimal diet is definitely not useful, and it's not true. Um, And so keep in in mind that we're all individual and and going to have an individual response and experience of different kinds of diets, then you start to open your mind to the possibility that, hey, what works for me might not be the same thing that works for others. And let's remember that what is our definition of what's working, too? That could be different from one person to another. The podcast I just did on Is This Blood Sugar Number Good or Bad talks about goals and how your goal or what you define as good enough for you or optimal for you might be different than what other people are deciding is good enough for them. And you guys, this is really the heart of why I do not prescribe a certain kind of diet in any of the programs that I run. It's because I would never be able to say for another person how their body is going to respond. I can have a pretty darn good educated guess, okay? I have experience with other people showing what does and doesn't work for other people, and I share that. And I also have a standard method that I teach. However, I give lots of space for you to craft your own lifestyle, the one that you feel is worth it for you. Because everyone's definition of what their goals are, what is worth it for them, the trade-offs that they're willing to make in their diet. And then also everyone's body is so different how it's going to respond from one person to another. And so we rely heavily on eating to the meter, which is a method that I taught in the fourth episode of this podcast, which really just means relying on your body to answer the question of whether or not any kinds of foods or drinks or portions are going to work for you or going to be good for you. And so I love to answer this question, understanding that what works for one person to get them their desired result 
is probably going to be significantly different for the next person. What type of food they eat, how often they eat, how much they eat, what they do about holidays, all of that, and how much exercise as well that they do, it's all going to look very different because everyone is so individualized and there are lots of different ways of doing it that will still get you from A to B. And that's the best news ever because, listen, there's going to be things that happen in your life that changed the landscape of how you want to go about things. Right now, I'm in a stage of life where I have lots of little kids. Yes, I am touching, smelling, cooking food all day long. And the way that we live in our family life is going to look very different from my life when all my kids are big and I'm really just feeding myself and my husband now. Or maybe I go through menopause or there's just some event in my life that changes how I want to approach maintaining or reaching health goals. And that is a beautiful thing because it gives you options. When we say you have to follow a keto diet or you have to follow a whole food plant-based diet, it really just limits your options. It makes you feel very scarce as far as the strategies and ways to go about doing something. But what I want to invite you to do is to open your mind to the possibility that there are countless, endless ways for you to be able to design your lifestyle to help you reach your goals and then help you maintain your goals. Isn't that awesome? Oh, I want to end this podcast with a really cool piece of information that is a wonderful place to start if you're thinking about changing up your diet so that you can start seeing some awesome blood sugar numbers on a regular basis. Okay, so if you know that there are all sorts of kinds of diets that appear to be opposites of one another that all work to reverse type 2 diabetes for the like rest of your life, permanent reversal and like elimination of the need for medications for diabetes. <laughs> I love saying that because it's so fun and so awesome and so possible for all of you. Let's ask a better question. Now, this question comes from a lady that I'm pretty impressed with. Her name is Tracy Harrison, and probably none of you have heard of her, (laughs) but that's okay. She is the founder of the School of Applied Functional Medicine. I took a course um, in their school about insulin resistance, and she asked this question, why aren't we asking, instead of asking like which diet is the right one or why is your diet wrong and my diet's better than yours? Why aren't we asking the question of what all these diets that work have in common? Isn't that a genius question? Like, instead of looking at how they're different, why aren't we asking how are they all sharing common features? What are those features? And I'm going to tell you what they are right now. And this is so valuable that I can tell this to you and you don't have to go figure it out on your own. Okay. So the very first feature that all of these diets share is that they exclude, limit, exclude or limit refined carbohydrates. Okay, what the heck is a refined carbohydrate? Um, That is any kind of carbohydrate that has been unnaturally concentrated by grinding it down and removing the fiber from that natural whole food. So we're talking mostly about sugar and flour. 
Okay, we these are powdered forms of carbohydrates, right? We've taken the whole food, sugar cane or sugar beet or wheat, and we have extracted the nutrient by removing all of the fiber and grinding it down into a fine powder. These are unnaturally concentrated types of carbohydrates. And in our current culture, we consume these all day long in large quantities, and our bodies are just not designed for these kinds of huge boluses or jolts of carbohydrates. And we mount a surge of insulin in response to consuming these kinds of foods, and they are definitely to blame for most of the type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance that we have in our modern culture. And so all of these diets recommend excluding refined carbohydrates on a day-to-day basis. That doesn't mean you can never have them. It just means that on a regular diet, day-to-day, you're not consuming these as part of your regular diet. Okay, the second feature that they all share is that they recommend eliminating processed foods as much as possible. Really, it's the chemicals and ingredients in processed foods, as well as those refined carbohydrates, that we really want to eradicate from the diet. The most important category being hydrogenated toxic oils. Okay, I teach this as a major concept in my program, Diabetes Revolution, and I'm talking about oils that have been created in factories. They are industrialized oils and they do not occur naturally. So we're talking about canola oil, vegetable oil, Crisco, um, some seed oils. A lot of these are oils that are not, they don't actually make sense because they don't occur in nature. Like olive oil occurs in nature. Like you can get an olive, see that it's oily. You can get a coconut and see that it has oil in it. But corn, not so much. Vegetables, not really. So why are these oils bad? It really is related to how they behave in the body. These types of oils cause inflammation. And if you consume them on a regular basis, that's causing chronic inflammation. Now, Inflammation is obviously bad, but if you've gone back and listened to the podcast I did that's called What is Happening in My Body, you will understand that inflammation is a critical factor in the development of insulin resistance. It's part of the disease process where the pancreas becomes damaged and doesn't function properly. So if you understand that inflammation is part of the disease process and that you're eating food that is driving inflammation in your body, you can see the value of eliminating these kinds of foods from your diet. So what does that look like in real life? It really just looks like not consuming on a regular basis foods that are already prepared for immediate consumption. Anything you can open up and eat right away, anything you can open up and warm up and eat right away. Foods that you're buying out and about that are prepared like that, these are what I'm talking about when I'm talking about processed foods. And really what I mean is ultra processed foods. And you know what's really crazy is that in the United States, half of the calories we're getting on a day-to-day basis are coming from processed foods, which include refined carbohydrates, but also include all of these chemicals and oils that are causing us to have a chronic state of inflammation in the body. So that's the second 
major feature that all of these diets that work have in common. And the third and the last is going to have to do with allowing the body to remain in a fasted state for long, longer periods of time. So fasting is definitely something I want to produce many podcasts on. I am a faster. I love fasting for more than just its weight loss benefits See, fasting is probably the most powerful tool that I can teach you to reverse insulin resistance because it is the most powerful thing you can do to reduce your insulin levels. Remember, getting your insulin levels low and staying low as much as possible is what will lead you to lose the weight and to reverse insulin resistance by becoming sensitive to insulin again. So there you have it. Those are the three common features that all diets that have been clinically, scientifically proven to reverse insulin resistance have in common. So now that you know that, I want you to think about how you can apply that in your life. I want you to think about what you would want to change when you look at your diet as it stands today that would move you closer to your goal. That's your thought-provoking question for the day. And then I also want to finish by giving you a fun recipe. And it's really not a recipe per se, but I'll tell you about what I'm going to eat tonight because I'm very excited about it. And it's totally low carb and high fat and uh, supports my health goals and hopefully yours too. Tonight, I'm going to fix quesadillas for my family. And you might be thinking, what? Low carb quesadillas? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You can buy from Costco all the necessary ingredients, there are only three. (laughs) You can buy the Carb Balance Mission Tortillas, and you can tell that they're low carb because they say carb balance on them, but they'll have on the front the marketing packaging that you will notice when you pick it up off the shelf that it only has a few grams of net carbohydrates in each tortilla. What's a net carbohydrate, right? So net carbohydrates is essentially the digestible, absorbable amount of carbohydrate. You're going to take the total carbohydrate that's listed in a serving and subtract the fiber from it, okay? The fiber is is usually insoluble. So even though in the United States we categorize fiber under carbohydrates, It's not actually digestible and absorbable, and for most of us, will not impact the blood sugar or the insulin level, and so you can subtract it. And so you will notice that that each tortilla only has a few carbs in it. Now, you can also, of course, buy the cheese there, and then I always buy a rotisserie chicken because I'm a mom of six, and I am a business owner and all the things that I do, so I like to keep things simple and delicious, so I buy the rotisserie chicken, and I you know, chop it up, and I put it inside of my cheese as I... Um, you know, I use like a skillet and I make those quesadillas right there with some butter. That's the fourth ingredient, I suppose. And then you can do all kinds of fun toppings, right? You can do the guac, you can do sour cream and salsa. All of this is low carb and it is incredibly delicious. I stopped using regular flour tortillas for my family members because I literally cannot tell the difference and neither can they. (laughs) There have been times where people have packaged up in a very wishing-to-be-helpful way all of the leftover quesadillas and not identified which one was the low-carb one, and I got very upset. And so they can't tell either. I'm just going to buy carb-balanced tortillas from here on out, and we'll just all eat all the quesadillas and be very happy. All right. 
I hope that you enjoyed that and that suggestion and that you give it a try. And of course, you can do anything you want. You could put shrimp in there. You could put steak in there, whatever you want, Um, or just straight up cheese, right? There's so many options. I'm all about giving you guys options, and I will see you on the next podcast. High five for tuning in with me today. You are getting smarter and stronger when you show up for yourself this way. You can get more free tools to help you control type 2 diabetes on my website, sarahtownley.com. And if you're serious about ending your struggle with diabetes, join my membership, The Diabetes Revolution, where you work with me in a community of people just like you. See you on the next episode.